the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. My country tears the Sweet land of liberty of Beyonce. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Oh, yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. It's wet outside all of a sudden. Pretty heavy rainstorm falling, depending on where you are, I guess. It's outside the window here. Uh, So we get started on a wet Monday morning, and that's okay. It is the uh, 18th morning of the ninth month in the year of our Lord, 2023. Got an important guest coming up. Jim Jordan is not on today. Jim Jordan has the day off technically because he's traveling. He's not off, but he's uh, traveling, so he's unable to be with us because of an early flight. He'll be with us on Wednesday this week so that we can dig into the latest from the uh, House Judiciary Committee and more. Uh, But we are going to talk with David Mahan today. David Mahan is... um, well, he's uh, with CCV, the Center for Christian Virtue, which is one of the leading organizations in Ohio fighting to defeat Issue 1 on November 7. Issue 1, of course, is the abortion uh, on demand uh, constitutional amendment. That's right. Abortion on demand, stripping of parents' rights, stripping of parents' rights to stop their kids from making life-altering and destroying decisions like transing their bodies, all because that's part of the reproductive health system which is what every individual, not adult, but every individual, according to the language in the um, uh, in the amendment says. So we're going to talk to David Mohan. He's controversial. He's the director of policy with CCV. 
And he's controversial apparently because he made some remarks in in uh, recent years uh, that the LGBTQIA plus community, and I'm actually reading that one for a change. Normally I just say LGBTQ mafia or LGBTQ uh, uh, alphabet soup or whatever. But um, yeah, he has uh, made some statements that basically have said we need to uh, we need to intervene and we need to protect our children from these groomers and those who are trying to pull them into a lifestyle that ultimately is going to end up in devastation for them and sadly far too often ends up in suicide for them. So that makes him the enemy, according to the radical left. And so we're going to talk about that with David coming up at 1010 this morning. We're going to talk about that actually a little bit in a different way coming up here in just a couple of moments as part of our monologue. But I want to start with this. I mean, is there anything more predictable than when the United States of America negotiates negotiates with terrorists and I'm talking specifically about the world's leading state sponsor of terror, that would be the Iranians, um, that when we pay them, negotiate with them, and then pay them ransom money to get Americans who have been illegally taken hostage or detained back, um, that it's going to happen again. Now, I'm not saying that this is absolutely causation, but all I know is one of the headlines I saw today is that uh, today is the prisoner swap. Five Iranians for five Americans, plus $6 billion. Yeah, we're going to give them access to $6 billion they didn't have access to before. I love, by the way, those defending the Iranians and defending the Biden regime that is enabling the Iranians uh, to do this. Uh, they, it's not hostage money. It's not ransom. It's their money. You know, it's just that they couldn't use it because it was being held because of their multitude of international crimes and their illegal pursuit of a nuclear weapon with which they intend to, quote, wipe Israel off the map. But, you know, well, it's still their money, so us giving them access to their money isn't really a ransom. It's just giving them, no, it is. It is a ransom. That's giving them six million a billion dollars that they didn't have to use for their for their projects or for their aims or whatever it is they're going to do, and um, that they didn't have before. So that's exactly what this is. So that's headline number one: is that we're about to make the swap this morning here, and headline number two is that the Taliban has detained an American for propagating and promoting Christianity. Now, it should be fair, or I should be fair on this and point out, not just an American, but an American and 17 others, 18 total, by the Taliban in Afghanistan for promoting Christianity, preaching it. The International Assistance Mission confirmed on Friday that the Taliban stormed its office in Gore, located about 400 miles outside of Kabul, and took nearly 20 workers Three members, including the American, were taken in the first raid. There were two raids. And uh, 15, 10 days later. So, like I said, I'm not suggesting it's necessarily causation that one event precipitated the other, but they are both happening. Um, And this is kind of what I'm talking about. If the Taliban was in any way, shape, or form concerned with what the United States' response might be to them taking an American prisoner for daring to preach Christianity in their strict um, Muslim nation, 
um, they have no such concerns anymore because if the Americans want them back, they'll pay. If the Americans want them back, the Biden administration, the Biden regime will pay. And they'll pay in money, and they'll pay probably in high-value allies of ours that we want released. That's the reality of this. How do they know this? Because they did it with Biden's predecessor in the Democrat uh, uh, world, as Democrat pre- uh, president, Barack Obama, gave five high-value Taliban detainees from Guantanamo Bay just to get Bo Bergdahl, an American deserter, back. So they know now. Everybody knows. You want to get something from uh, the Americans? Wait till a Democrat is in office. Take their people. Hide, you know, uh, uh, take them hostage, detain them, whatever it is you want to call it, and then just sit and wait until eventually they come up shooting with exactly what we want. And that's exactly what they're going to get. It's really quite a, it's quite a, an embarrassing thing, and it's quite a dangerous thing if you have family that is working, whether they're missionaries like this preaching the word of God and the word of Jesus Christ to, uh, to other countries or whatever their re- whatever their purpose is for being overseas, if they're anywhere near the Middle East, and quite frankly, I wouldn't I wouldn't just limit it to the Middle East. If you've got family or friends that are working or going to school in foreign countries that have adversarial relationships with the United States, or even dare I say, in countries that border countries that have adversarial relations with the United States, I would do everything I could to tell them to come home. I mean, what, do you think that the Iranians would not grab another American or 10 in another country for some bogus reason or another? You don't think the Taliban would go outside to do what they just did in this particular case? Of course they wouldn't. You don't think Kim Jong-un, you don't think uh, that Putin, you don't think that Xi, you don't think that America's enemies won't just look at this and say, well, this is what the Americans do now. They have basically set the precedent. They pay to get their people back when you take them. And then they give us things that we want, including perhaps some of our people back who are actual criminals, who have actually been tried in a legitimate court of law here in the United States, and um, who have uh, who have been convicted and, and, and not just held, but sentenced to an actual sentence for their crimes, hey, the Americans will let them out. So just just so you know, I just wanted to lead with this because it's happening this morning. Uh, I don't know if they have actually made the swap yet. It was supposed to happen about an hour, hour and a half ago, from what I understand, somewhere in Qatar or Qatar, depending on how you want to say that. But they did it, and or they're doing it, and now Americans are being taken in other hostile nations. So just know that this is exactly what's going on. Uh, yeah, it looks like soon is what I'm seeing now. Soon, the $6 billion prisoner. And by the way, there's an element of that that needs to be addressed as well. John Kirby was, uh, do I have this yet? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do our pledge. I'm going to take a time out, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to finish my thoughts on this. John Kirby was questioned by the press about why it is we get out-negotiated and out-maneuvered every single time there is one of these things done by, well, it's only done by a Democrat president, 
Democrat administration because Republicans adhere to the longstanding U.S. tradition and policy of never negotiating with terrorists and negotiating with those who take Americans hostage because it encourages future hostage-taking, right? But when Obama did it and Bo Bergdahl was uh, was finally released, wink, wink, uh, for five high-value Taliban detainees that were taken right after 9-11 for crying out loud, you know, when they see that and now they see this, Kirby was asked why it is we get out and negotiate it every single time. And I'm going to let you hear that comment after we do our pledge and take a short time out. So, Patriots, if you want to go ahead and stand, please do so. Face your flag. Put your hand on your heart and join us for our pledge. If you are a believer in uh, selling out Americans across the globe by paying hostages for those who have been illegally taken, excuse me, paying ransom for hostages being illegally taken, well, then you don't understand what this flag represents anyway, and you are not compelled to stand and pledge your allegiance to it. Instead, take a knee if you wish next to that uh, unemployed, still after seven years, socialist quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands one nation under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all quick time out now at 19 minutes past 9 o'clock we'll be back on Always Right Radio AM 1420 The Answer Okay, it's 923. Thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, we're talking about the prisoner swap, which apparently is like it's happening this morning. We don't know exactly what time or when it could have happened an hour ago. I woke up uh, uh, and, and started looking into this uh, about two hours ago. And about an hour ago, I heard on one report that this is happening now. But now it says soon. It's an hour and a half later, and it says soon. So um, we'll see what happens with the with the swap of the American prisoners for the Iran American hostages in exchange for the Iranian prisoners. Now, I bring that up just to kind of share this with you because of how dangerous this is, and how completely feeble and inept that the Biden regime is when it comes to. First of all, they shouldn't, as, as noted in the opening monologue, they shouldn't be making these deals anyway because all it does is encourage more taking of Americans prisoner, detentions, and so forth, uh, knowing they're going to get something high value back for them. I mean, for crying out loud, when 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 uh, Brittany Griner, the basketball player, decided to get her bake on in Russia, going over there to play basketball, and then got caught with the weed by the drug dogs at the airport in Moscow, and she was held for several months. I mean, again, here come the Biden administration. What are you going to get from the basketball player? Um, how about the, what was he called, the minister of death? Doctor of death? Something of death. One of the most... One of the most dangerous men um, in the world. Um, Russia wanted him back, so we can go back to work for them, killing more people. That's what they. We get out negotiated and outmaneuvered any time we try one of these things. First of all, they shouldn't be tried anyway. Second of all, uh, we certainly shouldn't be paying ransoms and giving back high value detainees or high value prisoners. But nonetheless, I want you to listen to John Kirby, White House spokesman. More specifically, he's the. Um, Coordinator for Strategic Communications for the NSC. That's the National Security Council. It's a big deal. He and some of the other leaders in the Pentagon are the ones who negotiated this deal. I want you to listen to how he answers this question about why it is that we had to pay money in addition to a five-for-five prisoner swap. Listen to these people. John, you just said that Iran was not going to do this for nothing. Um, But didn't they also get five Iranians? 
They will get five uh, Iranians uh, as well. Yeah, Jackie. Then why did we need to add six billion dollars on top of that? This is the deal that uh, we were able to strike to secure the release of five Americans. It would be great, wonderful, if we could just pick up the phone and call the Mullahs and say, hey, we want our Americans back, send them back on the next plane. But you and I both know that's not going to happen, particularly with Iran. And getting Americans home requires decisions, sometimes really tough decisions. It requires compromise. It requires How is there compromise, you pathetic, weak-spined little piece of trash? How is it compromise? Why do you give the Iranians more power than we have in the United States of America? How do you bend the knee to them and say, okay, we'll give you, we'll unfree $6 billion for you guys to use on your nuclear program? Wink, wink. We'll give you $6 billion if you let five of our people go. Well, okay, deal. Oh, by the way, you also have to give us five actual convicted prisoners being held in the United States uh, who are Iranian. Well, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Which one do you want? Do you want the money or do you want the people? Well, we want both. Well, you can't have both. Well, too bad, then the deal's off. Okay, you can have both. I mean, I'm sorry. Why are you letting the Iranians negotiate from a position of strength when you shouldn't be negotiating with them at all? You heard his answer. Mr. Kirby, why did you have to give $6 billion on top of it? Um, That was the deal we were able to strike. It required compromise. They didn't compromise. You did. Because you're weak. You're pathetic. You're feckless. You're Democrats. Negotiations. It requires negotiations with people you really would rather not be sitting across the table from, but you got to do it. No, you don't. No, you don't, you pathetic weasel. You and and Austin and, and Biden, you're the most pathetic excuses for an American military command staff that has ever existed in the United States. Austin is the as the chief of the Pentagon, the defense secretary. Biden is the commander in chief, and this weasel in charge of the NSC or at least NSC comms. Are you kidding me? You are violating every single precept when it comes to American foreign policy of not negotiating with terrorists or negotiating with those who are holding Americans hostage. It just puts more Americans in danger, and you just did it, and now you're trying to defend giving five Iranians back as well as the $6 billion. Because Americans overseas in trouble, wrongfully detained, need to know, and their families need to know, that this president and this administration will do what it takes to bring them home. This president and this administration are going to get more Americans taken hostage. Why, why, why is this so difficult for this this guy and this administration to comprehend how extraordinarily dangerous this. And you know, the only reason this is happening now is because we set the precedent with Obama. Obama gave the Taliban five high value, which means they're some of the worst of the worst that were being held at Guantanamo Bay after 9-11. Gave them back to get one American deserter a coward named Bo Bergdahl back. That set the precedent. The Americans will negotiate to get their people back. We can get all kinds of concessions from them. How come? Here's what should be happening right now. 
a, a member of the press, not that they have a free press in Iran anyway, which is kind of the point, but somebody in Iran should be asking the mullahs there, why did you give up so much? Why did you give up so much for the Americans to get their people back? Well, we didn't want to have to be negotiating with them at all, but you know, we had if we wanted our people back and we wanted that money, this is what we had to do. Why aren't they apologizing for being fleeced by the Americans in this deal instead of Kirby up here trying to justify why America got fleeced in this We're deal? We're comfortable in the parameters of this deal. I get I've heard the critics that, that there's somehow they're getting the better end of it. Ask the families of those five Americans who's getting the better end of it, and I think you'd get a different answer. We're comfortable with the parameters of this deal. You're comfortable with the parameters of this deal because you are wholly and completely incompetent, inept, and unable to perform the duties that this position requires. You, your boss at the NSC, and yes, the guy in the Oval Office, you are going to get more Americans taken and more Americans killed. And on your hands will their blood be. I'll be back. Giving you reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. Yeah, I was the merchant of death, by the way, in the Griner situation. So just thank you for the clarity on that, Seth. I couldn't remember if it was Dr. Death or something of death. But obviously, he was a very, very dangerous person. And we get him back to get a uh, a pot-smoking basketball player back. Okay, whatever. I want you to listen to this. Um, and believe me, I've got other things I want to get into. But the, the deal has been done. By the way, there it is. I just got the word. Five Americans detained in Iran have been released as part of a recent deal between the Biden regime and the Iranian regime, according to a Qatari official, the five Americans are on a flight out of Tehran um, on a Qatari government jet. So this wasn't done in Qatar or Qatar. It was done in uh, uh, done in Iran, but through through Qatar uh, to Doha, etc. The five the five Iranians have been released as well, and apparently so has the $6 billion that has been unsealed, if you will, uh, for the Iranians to use. The question becomes, how are they going to use it? So I've got two points here that I've been making about this this morning, and I'll, I'm going to reiterate it and let you hear this, and then we'll go to your calls if you have them at 216 Number one, the number one reason, of course, you don't give money to terrorists who kidnap your people is because it encourages more terrorists around the globe to kidnap your people because they know they're going to make out. You're going to pay for this. That's number one. And number two is you're giving $6 billion to a nation that is a sworn enemy of the United States and a sworn enemy of our strongest ally in the Middle East, the nation of Israel, which Iran has pledged to wipe off of the map. And they don't mean that just literally. They mean that through the use of nuclear weaponry, if that's what they are able to build. Now, I want to play this clip for you. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who I think has been one of the best on that job in recent memory, but former uh, uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo visited with Griff Jenkins on Fox this morning to talk about this deal. And I want you to listen to the clip of the Iranian mullah in the middle as they make plans on what to do with their new ill-gotten booty, meaning their uh, their $6 billion that, have been, that has been unfrozen for their use. Listen to this. You heard Secretary Blinken calling it a good deal, but yet when... 
the discussion came about about what these funds could be used for. Iran's president, Ibrahim Raisi, had this to say. Listen here. This money belongs to the Islamic Republic of Iran, and naturally, we will decide, the Islamic Republic of Iran will decide to, to spend it wherever uh, we need it. I'm going to pause there just to remind you that Blinken and the, the, the most incompetent regime in the history of American politics, the Biden administration, they tried to tell us that this money can't be used for anything other than what uh, you know what we tell them to use it for. This money can't be used for anything other than you know uh, 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 humanitarian purposes, purposes and so forth. This money can't be used uh, in any way that the uh, Iranian president says that they want to use it. So I want you to hear what uh, um, former Secretary of State Pompeo said in response to that. Yeah, we need it. So he says they're going to do whatever they want with it. And just moments before we came on the air, Mr. Secretary, Reuters reporting that Iran is defending its move to bar some U.N. nuclear inspectors and accuse the U.S. of politicizing the IAEA watchdog. So was this a good deal, (laughs) Mr. Secretary? Well, Griff, it's great to be with you. No, this was a bad deal for America. Uh, It's a bad deal for America, regardless of what they use the money for. Uh, we, we know the history. We know where this money will go. It will end up benefiting the world's largest state sponsor of terror. Look, I don't believe Abraham Reese, what he says, uh, but we know the history. We know this money will go to nefarious activity. Uh, even more important than that, we now know the price tag for the next American they capture. It's about a billion dollars that President Biden is prepared to pay when they take another American. And this will incentivize the continued hostage taking. And it won't just be the Iranians. It'll be the North Koreans. It'll be all the other bad actors in the world who now know the American bazaar is open. And as much as I, I love the fact we're getting these people home, they're going to get back to their families, the fact that the next American taken hostage will be a direct result of the ransom that has now been paid makes this a really bad deal, regardless of how this money ends up being used inside of Iran. Um, almost word for word what my own monologue stated uh so i really appreciate being able to hear that from the former secretary of state i hadn't heard that clip uh until uh, right before we played it so i was very glad to hear that uh but i'm very very sad to be right about this and this is the reality of it what i would like and i'm not kidding and i know it's a it's a long shot any democrat who might be within the sound of my voice right now and i know democrats typically don't listen to salem media in this show in particular But if you're a Democrat, I would like you to call me and justify your regime's decision here. I would like you to call me and tell me that the Joe Biden administration, with with Lloyd uh, Austin as the Secretary of State and Admiral uh, Blinken as the uh, uh, as the uh, uh, NSC uh, strategic comms, I would like you to defend this move and tell us how this betters America. Tell us how this protects American interests. Tell us how this protects American families, American students, American contractors, American workers, American military personnel who might be serving overseas either in uh, hostile countries or near hostile countries that don't mind crossing borders to nab Americans for their next big payday. Call me and tell me that we didn't just get fleeced here as uh, uh, Jackie Heinrich uh, uh, basically told Blinken, you know, if you got five for five, 
five Americans for five Iranians in your horrifically negotiated deal. Why the $6 billion? Well, that was the deal we were able to strike. It's it's like it's like trading baseball cards, and I'll give you a, you know I'll give you a Joe Smith, uh, you know third baseman who played two years and uh, washed out and went back to the minors, and uh, in exchange for your Mickey Mantle and your Babe Ruth. Well, okay, <laughs> it's a good deal for us. Why? Well, because it was the deal we were able to negotiate. That's a bad analogy, but do you understand the point of how bad this is? All right, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Tanya, thank you for waiting in Akron. You're on the air. Fire away. Hey, Bob. Uh, good, morning. good morning. First thing I thought of when after you said we got a five for five and they gave $6, million, $6 billion was one, Valerie Jarrett, and where is that money going? What is the kickoff? What is What is the percentage of kickback that somebody in the Democratic Party is getting for this? They didn't do it for free. Great question. Okay. Uh, Second, when he said that there are going to be five families that are going to be so grateful, I wonder how those 13 families feel about how the negotiations went and the thought process went when their family members came back in caskets. Somebody needs to start waking up. We are selling, the Democratic Party is selling out this country. There's some kickbacks going on. Look at John Kerry. Look at the other things that they're selling out our country for. And the partners that they're, the same partners that Hunter Biden plays with, the Democratic Party plays with. And line for line, it's never in the advantage of Americans. The American family, I'm not calling, I'm not, I want to say the American family, that's Democrats, independents, anyone who, is born and raised, not a lot of, not the illegal aliens that are crossing the border, but our country is being sold out by a political party that despises this country. And however they can fundraise and get their money and whatever they can do to make this country more dangerous for an American citizen, we already see it at home. Now they're doing it abroad. Something has to stop. And if you, if Americans don't start opening up their eyes and voting in people that love this country, that will put their life on the line for this country, we will not have a country. That's all I have to say. Well, you said a mouthful. Thank you, Tanya, for the call. Um, you beat me to it, too, and you mentioned Hunter Biden because and you've started out with the comment on uh, you know, who's getting kickbacks for this, that all $6 billion isn't going to the Iranians. There's some of that's going to be redirected to those who helped make this happen on the American side. And uh, and you, then you mentioned Hunter Biden, which was beating me to it, because I was going to say it's just it's it, it's not exactly the same thing as what's going on in Ukraine, but if you don't think that the $100 billion that we have, that we have sent to the Ukrainians, that some of that isn't the money that's being circled and washed and rinsed and washed and rinsed and eventually put right back into the pockets of the Bidens? Well, then you just haven't been paying attention. Remember, $5 million per Biden. That was literally what uh, what, what uh, the 1023 form said. They got $5 million they had to pay to Joe. They had $5 million that they had to pay to Hunter in order to uh, uh, get the prosecutor off of the back of, of Burisma. You don't think that that money... 
that is being given to fight the Ukrainian war or technically to fight the Russians in a war that the Ukrainians did not start, obviously, but that uh, oh, if you don't if you don't back that payment to Ukraine, multiple payments to Ukraine, well then you're a stool, you're a stooge rather, or you are a um, uh, a tool of the, the you know of the Russians. You're 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 fealty as to Vladimir Putin. You're pro Putin if you don't support this. Well, maybe I just don't support American tax dollars being given away to fight a war that is not specifically ours, and then to have that money circulated through that war-torn country back to the pockets of the American president or uh, and his family. I mean, there's a, there's a real serious and legitimate danger here as we try to figure out who is responsible and what is their, uh, what is their payoff, meaning what are they getting out of this. There are a lot of people that are getting rich off of this. Um, Chuck is in Cleveland. Hi, Chuck. You're on AM 1420. The answer. Go ahead. Chuck. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for taking the call. Um, my question is, out of the five hostages that we're getting back, how many of them are Democrats? I don't know. I don't know if anybody knows that. I, I bet you they all are. Because if they were Republicans, they'd still be sitting in jail. Well, I don't know if I would say that with as much conviction as you're saying it, Chuck. You you might be right, because I know this. They certainly, and thank you for the call, sir, they certainly prioritize getting, you know, the black lesbian basketball player, uh, Brittany Griner, out of Russia, specifically because of who she is, because of what she represents. She represents a, you know, a super targeted, protected class. You know, she's she's black and she's gay. And she's, you know, and she's a basketball player here. And so, you know, we got to get Brittany Griner out of there. There's no doubt that her status as a left wing America, you know, uh, national anthem flag kneeler, which she is or was anyway, there is a big, big push to get her out, I think, in large part because of her politics. Um, so I won't say no way they, they, they don't care what the politics. I think you can also look at what's going on in East Palestine, Ohio. That Norfolk train that derailed, how many months has it been now? How many months? Uh, four months? Five months? When did that train derail? Was it back in May? I can't remember now. And Joe Biden still isn't there. Why? Well, East Palestine, Ohio is a voting region in which 75% of the voters went for Trump. You don't think Joe Biden knows that? You don't think he's not prioritizing their needs because they don't like him? I guarantee you that's uh, that's the reality. So I won't say that you know, hey, these four, these five individuals are being rescued because they're Democrats. I, I won't go that far, but I will say that yes, the political leanings of quote unquote victims, whether they be victims of international terror and you know hostage taking and detention and these kinds of things, or uh, you know, in the case of East Palestine, obviously a different type of uh, of circumstance, but. Uh, yeah, the the party affiliation of the victims does play a role in the way that the Biden regime apparently responds to them. I, I will give you that, Chuck. I won't state it with just conviction the way you did, but I will say it is certainly a, a worth you know worth an open question being asked. All right, two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Democrats, where are you? Going to take a time out here. We're going to come back. I got something else I want to do before ten o'clock. But uh, Democrats, seriously, it's an open challenge. Anybody who's a Democrat, if you know a Democrat who says that this is a good thing, this deal being made by Biden and Blinken and Austin and uh, and and the uh, you know the the State Department, 
If you think this is a good deal or you know somebody who does, tell them to call me and explain it to me. I would welcome that discussion and debate. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. It's always right. Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, it's uh, 9.52. Thanks for being with us this morning. Um, before I move on, and I do want to get into a couple of other things because I need to, uh, specifically, I need to uh, set the table for our 1010 guest. Uh, Seth Williams, um, Seth, you were, you were uh, uh, commenting off the air just a few minutes ago that shortly, at, when was East Palestine? Because I could, can't remember the date. Which, which, what month was it? I, I want to, it's like March time. March? March? Yeah. It was that long? Wow, it's that long. February, Holy March. cow. So six February, months March. ago. Because okay. this is I was early March. Four months. It was early yeah. March when I was there. So. Okay, yeah, well, that's what I wanted you to tell us. You just told me off the air. Um, what what happened right after East Palestine and that plane crash, uh, uh, or excuse me, that train crash and derailment uh, led to all of that damage? What happened? Where where'd you go? Well, my wife and I decided we were going to go see if we could help or do anything out there and, and talk to people out there and... Um, so we went out to East Palestine before uh, the the president did. Uh, obviously, he hasn't been there, but um, I could go there this afternoon. It would still be before, still before the, president. the president did. Uh, but it was it was an, a weird kind of situation out there because there wasn't anybody really going to restaurants. We went to a couple of different places. There was nobody at. A lot of places were closed up. Uh, but I was able to literally drive up next to like the mobile command center and the. EPA trucks and all that kind of stuff and take pictures of that the actual wreck and and see everything that was going on and then we saw where Trump had delivered a whole bunch of water and people were in lines to you know to get the water there and so I mean, we really couldn't do much there wasn't much that we could do they needed like air filters and all kind of different things uh, but we were there just trying to help well, that's that's first of all, that's admirable and awesome that you went there um, and, and and tried to do that just as a just as a concerned citizen. And then secondly, what the, your point though is even better. I mean, how does the president of the United States, who I think got coerced into going out to Maui, he didn't want to go out there either. I think he wants to. All he wants to do is call a lid every day at ten o'clock and nap, uh, preferably on a beach in uh, in Rehoboth Beach um, rather than be on the job. But if he is going to go to various places that have been hit, and he went down to Florida. Florida after the hurricane and, and so forth. How does he just completely ignore something as dramatic as this, especially when it is something that is far more controllable than natural disasters, than than wildfires or or or, or uh, you know hurricanes and those kinds of things? His his handpicked you know Secretary of Transportation. You know, Pete Buttigieg is supposed to be making sure that all of the, you know, railways and the airlines and everything else, that they're all operating under the strict, specific safety regulations. And obviously this was not done here, and there are a bunch of people suffering, and he doesn't even bother. He hasn't even, I mean, it's six months. Now that you're telling me it was March, which I cannot believe. I mean, I do believe you, but it it blows me away. Um, Six months ago, six six months later, he still hasn't been there. I could tell you why, and you nailed it. Before the break, it's because of the Trump scenario. I mean, you had people literally in their yard saying, Trump, please come save us. You had downtown, I took a picture of one of the storefronts, and it has Make America Great Again signs in the window and everything else. So you nailed it. I mean, it's the Trump effect. He doesn't want to go there because those people were begging for Trump's help and not for him. 
That's um, that's so sad. That is, you know, and and again, I don't know. Even if they weren't doing that so vocally, I'm sure he's looking at the fact he knows that this is not a Trump. It's not Trump territory. He's seventy five percent of the uh, of the town or the uh, district out there, whatever the measurement was, voted for Trump over Biden. So, you know, he's uh, why should I care about them? They don't like me. Kind of a situation. It's pretty. It's pretty dramatic. So, all right. I'm glad you shared that. Thank you, Seth. Thank you. Uh, coming up at ten um, ten, I mentioned in the open. Uh, we're going to be talking with a guest. He's a representative of C, uh, CCV, which is the Center for Christian Virtue, David Mahan. He's going to join us. And uh, CCV is leading uh, the way um, for us in Ohio, or at least is among the groups, that you know, along with Cleveland Right to Life, Ohio Right to Life, uh, PWO, Protecting Women Ohio, and so forth, um, in opposing Issue 1, which is the Abortion on Demand Amendment that is going to be up for, uh, you know, potentially being enshrined into the Ohio Constitution. I want you to know exactly what we're battling. I want you to listen to the portion of this interview that uh, CBS's Face the Nation did with the Vice President of the United States. Listen to her dodge and deflect and avoid the answering the question. What restrictions on abortion would you accept? Listen to this. What is it that you believe? I mean, what week of pregnancy should abortion access be cut off? We need to restore the protections of Roe versus Wade. Which We're was, not trying to do something new. Well, that There's, was nebulous because it was about viability, which could be anywhere between 20 to 24 weeks. And but it, so no, 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 no. Let, let's let me, let me be very the clear. Women's Health Protection Act. That let the White me be, House also let me endorsed. be very clear. From day one, the president has been clear. I have been clear. We need to put back the protections that are in Roe v. Wade into law. Since the Supreme Court took it, Congress has the power and ability to pass legislation to put those protections back in law, and Joe Biden will sign that bill. So that is what we want. But does it need to be specific in terms of defining and where that guarantee goes up to and where it does not? At which week of pregnancy? We need to put back in place the protections of Roe versus Wade. You we know are why not, I'm asking you this I, question, but though, because we're not trying to. But we're not trying to do anything that did not exist before June of last year. We well, are it, saying it wasn't no, crafted but, into law, and that's why I'm asking you for the specifics there, because Republicans say the lack of a precise date in cutting it off. You know this. Is they say that allows Democrats to perform abortions up until, you know, birth. Which is ridiculous. Which is, statistically which is not accurate. And, and it's ridiculous. I understand and it's a that. mischaracterization so, of the point. No, the point but, is. But the do point you need is to be more precise? To, I am being precise. We need to put into law. She's not being precise because two things. Number one, she would have to give a date or a number of weeks that she could agree with to cut off abortion access. She won't. Why? Because it's not crazy to say that it could be up to the moment of birth. Unless they give a date, it is up to the moment of birth. And she does not want to say it out loud. That's the fight. And that's what's going to be allowed in the state of Ohio because of the end of Roe versus Wade. Because it's now a state's issue, we're about to have this enshrined into the Constitution on November 7th if we don't stop it. We're going to talk to David Mahan of Center for Christian Virtue about that very issue coming up next after the top of the hour. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth. 
or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. darkness. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. All right, hour number two, underway now on this Monday morning, eight minutes past 10 o'clock. It's the 18th morning of the ninth month in the year of our Lord, 2023. Coming up in uh, just a couple of months, we are going to have a decision to make. In fact, it's going to be earlier than a couple of months, really. If you uh, go into the early voting realm, we're we're a little over a month away, I suppose. It's going to be about uh, the beginning of October, a little, yeah, right? Yeah, it's going to be around October 7th. If we do it 30 days before the actual election on November 7th, we'll have early voting going on. So we're less than a month by a bit. Um, we're going to have to decide whether or not we protect life and whether or not we protect the defenseless in the state of Ohio or not. And it's not going to be something that we can just change willy-nilly because it's not going to be <clears throat> something that is added to the Ohio Revised Code in a legislative maneuver, a bill passing into a law. Not at all. Obviously, the revised code can easily be revised back if we don't like that. This is much more dangerous because come up, coming on November 7th, we're going to have to cast a vote as to whether or not we change the entire Ohio Constitution, amend the Constitution to allow the most defenseless members of our population uh, to be slaughtered for any reason at any time, all the way up to the moment of their birth. And Lord only knows if they can do it up until the moment of their birth. I wonder if there's a little grace period on the other side. On the other side of the uh, the moment of birth, the other side of the birth canal. Yeah, still not sure. Okay. You think, think that sounds extreme. Uh, it is extreme. And it is what is happening. It is what is coming. It's already happening in some other places. Um, I remember in the... Uh, Virginia governor's debate with Glenn Youngkin and uh, and uh, McAuliffe. And McAuliffe was talking about how, you know, after that uh, baby is born, uh, you know, if the if the baby is born and the you know and it wasn't supposed to be in a botched abortion, that child can be left on the on the tray there, and then mom and doctor can talk about whether or not they do anything to save its life. So, in other words, post birth abortions. This is all the reality now when it comes to a mother or a person or an individual as they say in the language of the actual amendment and the right to reproductive freedom to make up their own minds without anybody else having a say for any reason whatsoever uh, in matters of their own reproductive health and whether that's giving birth or whether that's transitioning bodies from one sex to another, it's all on the table. And joining us now to talk about it is um, a leader, one of the leaders of CCV, which is the Center for Christian Virtue. He's the director of policy with that fine organization. It's David Mahan joining us on AM 1420, The Answer to Discuss. David, good morning. Good to have you. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. So, um I'm framing this in you know the best way that I can, and I'm doing this every day and reminding everybody of what is at stake with issue one. How do you frame what's coming on November seventh, David? You know, it, it's uh, you know I look at it from a little different perspective. Even this week, um, you know, I spoke to a bunch of pastors up in Cleveland area, and I, you know, just just talking about the need to get this message out in churches. What what we saw from from Michigan was that the body of Christ just didn't show up. And, um, you know, when you, when you look at, you know, if, if you're wondering what in the world is going to happen, um, they've got ads going up on TV, what in the world is going to happen here in the state of Ohio? You just need to look to Michigan. I mean, Governor, Governor Whitmer 
not too long ago just went up on um, Channel 3 News in, in Lansing, Michigan, and, and basically she asked the state legislature there, the Democrat-led state legislature, to so now we got to overturn all of these bills, these really pro-life bills and consent laws that now rub against, um, you know, the Constitution that they just passed. And, and at the top of the list was, was parental consent, that, uh, that that is now unconstitutional as it relates to uh, minors and their ability to uh, have abortions. But, but the other thing we brought up in Cleveland was the exploitation side of what Planned Parenthood and ACLU is trying to do, and that was to rally African-American parent, uh, pastors to return to our pro-life roots. I, I don't know if you know, but in Ohio, uh, African-Americans only um, represent about 14% black women less than the population, but encompass about 49% of all the abortions. And so as opposed to ignoring the urban cores like Cleveland and things, we need to really be getting this message out to them that, that uh, Planned Parenthood and, and their founder, Margaret Sanger, was absolutely racist. And um, even though they have now, in recent years, thrown Margaret Sanger under the bus with her eugenist and racist uh, self, um, they took her name off of the largest clinic there in New York. And the president of Planned Parenthood Federation of America basically said, you know, we need to stop, you know, revising what she said and, and reckon with it. And, and I think this is a time now more than ever that we need to be reaching African-Americans in the urban cores like Cleveland and say, hey, we got to return to our pro-life roots because uh, this is way too extreme. Wow, uh, that's a lot to unpack there. First of all, I didn't know that there was a pushback against Sanger finally after all these years because just it was it was relatively recently, if memory serves, I'm going back to the 2016 presidential election with Hillary Clinton as the candidate for the Democrat Party, and I remember <laughs> talking at length about her receiving the Margaret Sanger like Lifetime Achievement Award or something of that nature, and she talked about how Margaret Sanger was was an idol of hers. That wasn't that long ago. So if um, you know if the reality of who she was and what she intended by founding Planned Parenthood and particularly by putting Planned Parenthood clinics within walking distance of every minority urban center in America, you know if if that wasn't clear then, I mean uh, I guess I'm glad that it's being. Uh, you know, it's being known now when people are finding out about it. But my question for you, David, is, is, is it working? You're out there saying you're trying to change attitudes. Uh, the black pastors are trying to change attitudes in the black community. Are there are the women in the community receiving the message? You know, we, we've had um, it's, it's been amazing. Um, the response that we've had, I, we need to get more of us out there raising. But sometimes it's like when you look at the urban cores, uh, and it's like, well, we're, we're not going to get we're not going to get those votes. So we'll just focus on another parts of the state. And, and I think, first of all, that's not what Planned Parenthood is doing. You know, they went straight after Trump, Trump country. They went straight after, uh, you know, the, the GOP. Um, they did not ignore the other side. And I think we would be foolish to ignore the urban cores uh, because the, the response that we're getting. I mean, we just had Colonel Allen West come in. We had uh Bishop Wooden from North Carolina, uh, one of the, the, the main leaders of um, one of the largest uh, black denominations in, in the country, Kojic. Um, and, and just really, you know, the, we had an awesome room. And the response has been amazing. And, and you're right. I, just recently with, um, you know, in Twitter, uh, we, we actually had, uh, this is what Alex McGill Johnson said. She's the president of Planned Parenthood Federation of America. We will no longer make excuses or apologize for Margaret Sanger's actions, but we can't simply call her racist, scrub her from our history, and move on. We must examine how 
We have perpetuated her harms over the last century as an organization, as an institution, and, and as individuals. And just like you mentioned, you didn't even know that, that, that this has happened. We have, this has to be a clarion call to, to every inner city community in America because 81% of Planned Parenthood centers are within two miles walking distance of uh, urban cores, urban centers. Um, and so this is, this is something that we, we have to, I think it's a moral imperative that we have to get this message out. If we can just pull three, four, five percent uh, of, of minorities off of uh, a yes vote, uh, that, that could spell victory for us. We're talking to David Mahan. He is the Center for Policy, or excuse me, Director of Policy at the Center for Christian Virtue. Uh, CCV is at the uh, core or one of the leading groups in uh, trying to oppose issue one, which is the, they're calling it, David, the, um, you know, the uh, reproductive rights amendment, essentially. essentially. It, it allows for abortion on demand up until the moment of birth. Really, it give, doesn't even give the, uh, uh, the end date as being that. It just says whenever. Um, but particularly because of the vagueness of the language, um, it, it also allows for children, young people, adolescents, pre-adolescents to go on puberty blockers, start cross-sex hormones on the way toward a sex change or a sex, ch- uh, an attempted sex change without their parents having any say in the matter. Because it declares that only any individual who wants to make up their own mind about reproductive health and sex changes do indeed change reproductive, yeah. uh, you know, reproductive capabilities, um, that the, that the state shall not interfere, that no one shall interfere. Um, so since they didn't say adults, that means kids can do this without their parents. How dangerous is it for parents to not have the right to guide their confused kids in times like this? Well, you know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, we just have to simply read the language, right? Every individual has a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions. What we've seen all across the country, even uh, with law, is, is that um, gender-affirming therapy, as it is uh, misnomered, is actually a reproductive decision. The ACLU, Cure, all these organizations um, are, are, tell- are you know, touting that. Um, most people in Ohio don't know that we have seven um, gender clinics pediatric gender clinics here in the state of Ohio. And, and in the language, um, it says that, uh, you know, there would be fertility treatments as part of that. So every individual has a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, including but not limited to, right, decisions on contraception, fertility treatment, continuing own pre- one's own pregnancy, miscarriage, and abortion care. Now, one of those seven gender clinics is um, Columbus you know, right here nationwide in, in Columbus Children's Hospital. And they have a, a fertility program there uh, at their hospital. Now, why in the world would you need a fertility program at Children's Hospital? Because they say very clearly on their website for their fertility program that certain procedures uh, do and may cause uh, long-term fertility issues, one of which is their transgender therapies. And so while they may say that puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones are completely safe or reversible, why then are you talking to, to parents about fertility programs for these young children? We know when we had them come down to the state house that they are performing uh, puberty blocker-type procedures on children as young as 8 and 9, letting kids into their program as young as 4, you know, in terms of social transition. And, uh, and Colleen Marshall at Channel 4 not too long ago actually confirmed uh, what Rep. Click said uh, about there being um, actual surgeries being performed on children under 18. She confirmed that by saying, yes, she did talk to at least one clinic 
that was doing double mastectomies on girls under 18. This is something very few people know about when I'm talking to churches and, and community leaders, and, uh, and this is actually definitely part of what they're trying to do here with issue one. So tell me about CCV's work and your work with them in trying to open eyes and, uh, and reach people in the, uh, obviously, just several weeks before we go to the ballot box. Yeah, man, we are we are definitely ushers and amplifiers both at the state house and in the community, um, working very closely with our senators and state reps in the governor's office um, here downtown Columbus, literally right across the street from the state house. This is something we don't just blog about or post about, um, but we are about every day um, running the state house um, business over here. But we also um, are, are greatly connected to about twenty five hundred churches in the community, uh, multiple denominations. And so, you know, as we're out, you know, four or five cities a week, um, um, running around the city, uh, each of us, um, we are also working with entire denominations. So, you know, the Baptists and um, um, the uh, Assemblies of God and Church of Christ. And so um, working with so many uh, to, to get, and, and to be honest with you, on the encouraging side, I've never seen the body of Christ rally to, uh, to anything like they are rallying around this. And so, you know, don't believe the hype on, on the media. You know, it seems like, especially in Cleveland, uh, there's multi, multiplied millions of dollars being dumped into the urban course. Um, but there are folks waking up, the sleeping giant is waking up of the church all across the state around this issue. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Here in Northeast Ohio, it is a very, very big issue. There's a ton of uh, money that is being poured into this. We're talking to uh, David Mahan. He is uh, the director of policy at Center for Christian Virtue. So, uh, I, when I was preparing for our interview, um, I, I looked a little bit, uh, looked you up a little bit about some of the other things that you've been doing, and I cannot, of course, avoid the Crossroads story. Uh, Ohio, this is from 2021. <laughs> Ohio megachurch apologizes after speaker criticizes cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers. Now, you've done, yeah. a, I think, a very artful job of explaining exactly why this matters just moments ago. And you talked about why they have these things and why they have to put uh, this affects long-term reproductive and, and fertility and so forth uh, at, the, at these uh, pediatric centers. So I think the, the question answers itself about why this is so dangerous. What I want to know is... Why did they have such a big problem with you speaking at the Crossroads Mega Mega Church to the point where the church issued an apology for your presence and your remarks yeah. on these issues? More specifically, it wasn't they; it was he. Okay, okay. so Brian Tome, Pastor Brian Tome, heard the message at uh, I spoke at one of the the largest African American churches here in the in the city of Columbus, and he he saw the message and said, "David, this is very controversial, but but that's what we're dealing with this month. I want you to come out." and preached this at the church. So, so he saw the entire message. Um, I preached it four times that day. Um, I, I did a practice uh, whole sermon at 6.30 and then three services, standing ovations for each of the three, just to say how well and widely it was received. Fist, fist bumps and you know, chest bumps and, and, and uh, you know, high fives after every service in the green room. Um, he wanted more and more content after every service. So where did it go wrong? After the, after the end of the last one, I was down at the altar ministering to people, many of which who were struggling with their identity, uh, some who actually signed their children up for children's hospitals, gender clinic, uh, and regretting, regrettingly so. Uh, it was a beautiful time. I, I was down there ministering for an hour. They had two security guards on one side, two uh, Cincinnati police you know, folks on the other side. Where it went 
South was after everything was done on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Apparently, a former um, LGBT uh, activist who was used to go to the church um, called him, and there was an issue and said, you better throw them under the bus, or there's going to be heck to pay. And they still protested after they pulled all of our stuff down from the website and threw CCV under the bus. Um, but, man, the, the church itself was was awesome. They they received the message wholeheartedly, and uh, really the, the, the one who, who threw us under the bus was, was the pastor himself and only. So let me ask you this, uh, uh, David, and I, and I really appreciate you coming on to talk about this stuff. Um, in the Catholic realm here in Northeast Ohio, you probably saw this last week, the Catholic Diocese of Cleveland, has essentially issued new policy guidelines for all parishes and parish-affiliated schools, um, pretty much wiping out all of the of the left-wing LGBTQ trans agenda, uh, saying pronouns will be used of people based on what they are biologically. Uh, there will not be new pronouns. There will not be flying of pride flags. There will not be uh, you know changing of rules, allowing uh, boys to be in girls' teams and boys boys and girls places of of uh, privacy and so on and so forth. And um, the left is flipping out over this. So <laughs> it seems it seems that the church, at least in some respects, churches. Uh, Meaning Christians of all denominations, in this case Catholic, in your case you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, uh, evangelical or Protestant or or what have you, or Baptist or anything else, they're starting to find their voice into saying we've got to protect our communities, we've got to protect our kids. It sounds like that's happening. Do you see a shift in uh, in 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 opinions and a shift in leadership? Absolutely, absolutely, and and I just kudos to Bishop Fernandez, who's just been uh, a tremendous voice. You know, it's, I don't know if I would say a shift in perception with these issues, just more courage, right? The more okay. people begin to speak up, the more courage there are. We, we've seen polling for the last few years now, uh, from Ipsos to Gallup to uh, uh, even Baldwin-Wallace, that says that, you know, when you look at just specific issues like the Save Women's Sports, or you look at uh, the SAFE Act, Save Adolescents from um, Experimentation uh, here in the state of Ohio, um, 60%, if not more, um, are for those types of things. Boys cannot become girls. Uh, boys, biological males, should not be in female uh, facilities like we're seeing down in Xenia, Green County, where you had a 400-pound individual who is now legally okay to sit in female locker rooms uh, and look at little girls unchanged, and he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, he won his case because of... Uh, the fact that he is so large that his stomach covered his genitals, you know, his genitals, yeah, and so they did that. not see his genitals, right? And so, and so you have these type of laws, and folks are tired of it. And the more that this stuff begins to hit home, like schools and school boards and, and the YMCA situation, the more people will find courage, and that's what we're seeing right now. Well, that's exactly what it's going to take, is courage to be able to give parents the rights or allow parents to keep the rights that they have to guide their kids in terrible, terrible moments of confusion, whether they be gender confusion or uh, unplanned uh, uh, pregnancies and so forth. That's why we have to fight so hard against Issue 1 on November 7th. I know CCV is dedicated to that as well as anybody in Ohio is. Thank you for coming on and representing the uh, Center for Christian Virtue, David, and we appreciate you very much. Oh, My pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. God bless. 1027.
David is our only guest today. That means we're guest-free the rest of the way. That means it's time for you at 216-901-0945. We've got a lot of mo for you, a lot of mo, right here on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. All right, 1036. <clears throat> so I asked uh, David Mahan a question about uh, whether the attitudes are shifting, the opinions are shifting, or the perspectives are shifting a little bit. And I did so with, with, with good reason. Um, first of all, as I brought up, the Catholic Diocese of Cleveland has finally stepped up and started to lead and to remind everybody that, Human beings are made in the image of God, and they're made uniquely, and they're made separately, and they're made special for a lot of very important reasons, and that mankind choosing to change and alter that is simply something that is not supported by Catholic doctrine. It's not supported by Christianity, period, much less just Catholic doctrine. It's not acceptable. And... I want to share a little bit on that, and I want to tell you about another positive development, another positive development, and a couple of other positive developments. This is what I mean by, I feel like the tide is starting to turn, that this massive movement to change humankind, to deny the gender binary, to deny the uh, fact that in all of mammalian biology that there are two sexes, male and female, there is no cross version thereof. Are there birth defects in a very, 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 very tiny percentage of people, which essentially are called intersex people? Yes, but they are birth defects. They are not uh, new new um, genders or sexes or creations thereof. There are also people who are born, as I've said, with other birth defects. They've been born with six fingers on each hand instead of five or four some are born without an arm. Some are born missing a leg. Some are born with all kinds of... De- there, are, there are birth defects. These do not change the fundamental makeup um, of the nature of the biological man or woman. So um, let's go to the church. Over 100 Catholic schools in Cleveland are now going to, according to the leadership being given by the diocese, not going to tolerate this transing of the population and the transing and the grooming of the kids into alternative lifestyles in their schools or churches. The new guidelines issued uh, at the end of last month, but we kind of just got the details last week and we started sharing these with you, and I want to give you a little bit more now. The, the uh, um, guidance issued by the diocese, the policy issued by the diocese, it's more than guidance, it's policy now, reads in part... Since questions of sex, sexuality, and gender identity have become increasingly prevalent in our society, it is our hope that the policy will help to ensure these matters are addressed in a consistent and and authentically Catholic manner across our diocesan institutions and diocesan Catholic schools, and that those we serve will have a clear understanding about expectations and accommodations related to those matters. Very clear. I think that's how it should be. Diocesan doctrine, Catholic doctrine, drives the policy. The policy, among, among other things, requires parental notification in the case of minors experiencing signs of gender dysphoria or confusion. Now, 
I should do what I always do in this in trying to be very, very clear, point out that there is a difference between gender dysphoria and gender confusion. Gender dysphoria is a psychological condition that impacts and afflicts, again, a very, 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 very small, one less than 1% of the population of people are born with a an actual psychological disorder that sometimes manifests itself in multiple personality disorder, um, you know, bipolar disorder. There are a lot of different things, of course, and gender dysphoria is one of those, where the mind is tricking, is being tricked into thinking that it's in the wrong body. That's gender dysphoria. That's a condition. Gender confusion comes from the social contagion that is running rampant and spreading all across not just America, but on parts of the world. That gender confusion coming from television, from movies, from online influencers, from warped left-wing radicals in charge of, sadly, preschools, elementary schools, kindergarten classrooms, middle schools, and more. That is gender confusion that's being sown. How do we know this? We know this because of the statistics you know, prior to around 1946, I mean, the, the number of people who, who identified, or not even identified, but that um, uh, could be identified as having traits consistent with anything LGBTQ was, you know, like 0.3%. And now people say, well, that's because it was, you know, you had to stay in the closet then. We're talking about people who actually self-identified that way, not publicly. And now, in you know, from from like, you know, 2000 to right now, I don't have the specific numbers in front of me. I, I read them, which is why I'm able to, to, to bring this up even in a, uh, as, a, as a paraphrase of the numbers. Uh, but it's like some 21%. It's like, did we suddenly start, you know, was this massive bottleneck of, of, of gender dysphoria? Oh, that's what it was, gender dysphoric people, not just LGBTQ prior to that. It was gender dysphoric. Went from zero point three percent to twenty one some percent. Was this, this massive number of people who just suddenly started to all have psychological uh, disorders that they were born with? No, the overwhelming majority of these people are being socially confused and socially uh, um, uh, tr- forced into a transition or encouraged or peer pressured into a transition uh, type of thing for the purpose of trendiness and popularity. I mean, I just posted on my, just to give you an example, very quick aside here, I just posted this on my Facebook page during one of our commercial breaks because I saw it. It was an update uh, uh, from uh, Libs of TikTok, and I subscribed to her her um, uh, uh, newsletter. Oak Park High School students in Kansas City, Missouri, just got sent a message loud and clear. Boys are just better at things than girls are, even at being girls. Tristan Young, a young male student who says he's a female, was crowned homecoming queen this past weekend. He beat out four lovely female candidates because actually identifying as the gender that you are is like so, uh, the gender that you are is like so 2010. Yeah, uh, and it's a picture of this male, an obvious male in a, in a dress, in a, in a, in a, wearing a tiara and carrying flowers. And, oh, my gosh, I'm the homecoming queen. In other words, girls, once again, deprived of an opportunity to do something, to be something, to create a lifetime memory for themselves by a male. So this is so socially contagion-driven. But I'll go back now. The policy requires um, parental notification in the case of minors experiencing gender dysphoria or confusion, declares that 
Parental rejection of a child's preferred pronouns does not constitute grounds for non-disclosure. Bans of preferred pronouns are included. Uh, restricted bathroom and facility usage to biological sex is included. Prohibiting admission of students to institutions, programs, and activities like sports designed for the opposite sex. Ban same-sex dates to school dances and mixers. Require students to comply with dress codes aligning with their biological sex. Bans any celebratory or advocacy of LGBTQ plus ideologies or behaviors such as pride flags. And bans gender transitions of any degree, whether social or medical. That's a, a good summary of what the Catholic Diocese of Cleveland has put forth. Shall be the new policy guiding the um, Catholic parishes and the Catholic schools and institutions. It's not ambiguous. It is not open to interpretation. This is it. And this is why so many are angry. But I am saluting this because they are finally doing what is supposed to be done, particularly in places that are uh, run by the faith, the Catholic faith, which we're talking about the churches and the, and the schools. But I think also for all schools, this, this should be the model. Why, you're asking? Why? And the answer is because schools, be they Catholic schools or public schools, otherwise known as government-run schools, are places of learning, not places of trying to advance a social or political agenda. It's not a place to advance you know, the cause of the LGBTQ community or the several communities that make up. And I think they're very, very separate. But the separate communities that make up each one of those initials. That's not what school is for. School is there for reading and writing and for learning science and for learning history and for learning, uh, you know, uh, 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 literature and, and so forth. It is for the purpose of educating persons to make them prepared for college or for a, a, a career that will make them productive members of society. It is not a place to advance the LGBTQ grooming agenda. It's not a place to advance any kind of agenda, quite frankly, unless you happen to be at one of those Catholic schools where it is the uh, um, place to advance the Catholic agenda. And that's reasonable, isn't it? A Lutheran school is going to advance the Lutheran agenda, a Catholic school, the Catholic agenda. But if it's a public school, the only agenda should be the educational agenda. So it's about time that we're starting to see this kind of leadership from the church but it needs to expand. The policy acknowledges the existence of gender dysphoria, but rejected the modern belief that feelings determine truth. Quote, this understanding erases those intentional embodied distinctions between men and women. As such, this view is contrary to the divinely revealed reality of our true God-given human nature. End quote, says the policy. Under the policy... Individuals experiencing some sort of gender dysphoria or confusion or same-sex attraction would still be welcomed into the schools with open arms but allow, and allowed to participate in activities with the contingency that they don't openly express their disagreement with Catholic doctrine. Seems reasonable. It's Catholic doctrine. You run by the, you know, if you want to be part of that school community, you run by the Catholic rules. Uh, Bishop Molesic stated in an accompanying letter that biological sex coincides with God's divine plan. The bishop wrote, and I quote, The human person is a unity of body and soul. We experience the world through our bodies, and it is through the virtuous expression of our bodies that we reveal God. 
Through times of questioning and confusion, we must accompany our brothers and sisters in Christ with compassion, mercy, and dignity so that we might lovingly help them navigate the confusion and arrive at truth. End quote. Now, that's the Diocese of Cleveland. Now let's get into the government of Cleveland. I didn't read this last week, but I want to read it now. And I want to share it, because I want to expose the the gall, quite frankly, and the chutzpah of the mayor of Cleveland, Justin Bibb, to even speak on this. Via Twitter, a.k.a. X, Justin Bibb, the mayor of Cleveland, wrote, As a Christian, the new Catholic Diocese of Cleveland anti-LGBTQ plus policy is a shocking betrayal of the church teachings that have shaped who I am today. Read my statement below. Now, as I read the statement to you, understand that he's a liar. The church didn't shape who he is today. He's not Catholic. He's not Catholic. He's not Catholic. But still, he felt compelled to write. Last week... The Catholic Diocese of Cleveland released a new policy regarding LGBTQ plus expression in parishes and schools. The policy imposes restrictions on LGBTQ plus pride, gender affirming health care, which is mutilation, pronouns, dress, and more. As a Christian, he can be a Christian. That doesn't make him a Catholic. As a Christian, the diocese's policy uh, is a shocking betrayal of the church teachings that have helped shape who I am today. For me, faith is about universal love and acceptance. Instead, the new policy forces LBGTQ plus kids to hide their authentic selves and attend school in fear of persecution for, for who they are. I extend my heartfelt solidarity to our LGBTQ plus friends and students. Rest assured that this policy, along with any expressions of hatred, doesn't go unnoticed. Ooh. So a non-Catholic noticed that the Catholic diocese wants to govern its parishes, and its schools by Catholic doctrine. And? Did you have more to add to that, Mr. Mayor? Because everything that you just said was completely worthless. You are not a Catholic. If you are not a Catholic, you have pretty much no say on Catholic doctrine. And moreover, any student who finds him or herself in, and that's right, there are only hims and hers, and they are not interchangeable. Any Catholic who finds him or herself in a Catholic school, any student, um, they should be expecting to follow Catholic te- te- teachings, Catholic doctrine. I know. I went to a Catholic school. It was very different from my friends in a public school. By design. And nowhere should anybody in the public realm be able to tell the private schools how they run themselves at least when it comes to social issues like these. So the Catholic Diocese has spoken, and they are warding off all of the attacks um, that are headed their way in Cleveland. That's a good thing. Let me give you an example of perhaps a shift uh, of the tides, or or a shift in the tides, if you will, uh, that I was mentioning. The state of Kansas has made a huge, huge step forward as well. The state of Kansas will no longer allow people to change the gender on their birth certificate. A new law passed by Republicans in that state enshrines the biological definition of woman into law. Remember when the newest member of the Supreme Court of the United States was asked in her confirmation hearings what a woman was, and she said, I don't know, I'm not a biologist. (laughs) 
They know in Kansas, and it's now enshrined into law. The state's health department was compelled to follow the law after the Attorney General, Chris Kobach, uh, sued to stop state agencies from allowing people who say they're a transgender to change their gender on public documents. After a legal back and forth, Kobach won in court, and the Kansas Department of Health and Environment said on Friday, this past Friday, it could no longer process gender identity amendments to birth certificates. The health department said that birth certificates previously given out with changed gender would not need to be updated um, unless the individual needed to get a new one. If KDHE, the Kansas Department of of, um, Health and Environment, previously changed your birth certificate to align with your gender identity, it will still be valid. However, if a certified copy of that record is requested, the new copy must reflect the sex that you were assigned at birth. Now, I don't like that language. We know sex isn't assigned at birth. It's determined at conception. It literally, moment the moment egg meets sperm, it's, it's determined. But nonetheless, Kobach said he was pleased with the decision and that it was necessary to comply with Kansas law. Quote, the intent of the legislature was clear when lawmakers passed the Women's Bill of Rights. Kansas birth certificates are state records that must reflect scientific fact as recorded by the doctor at the time of birth, end quote. He was referring to a law passed earlier this year called the Women's Bill of Rights that defines men and women on the basis of their biological reproductive system. And there it is. At the end of the day, what has always been the basis of determining male from female, the biological reproductive system, including but not limited to genitalia that's visible. That is the determination between men and women. So a state has gone and literally defined it in their state law. According to the law in Kansas now, a female is a, quote, an individual whose biological reproductive system is developed to produce ova, end quote. And a mother is, quote, a parent of the female sex, end quote. The law also stipulates that woman and girl refer to biological females only. This is so huge, my friends. I hope you understand the kinds of small victories that these appear to be, but how much larger they are in the ongoing culture war that is the fight to return normalcy and truth to our schools, to our states, to our population. The law says the state entities that collect vital statistics for the purpose of convey, uh, complying rather with anti-discrimination uh, laws or for the purpose of gathering accurate public health, crime, economic, and other data shall identify each person who is part of the collected data set as either male or female at birth. So there it is. Um, this is a very, very, very big deal. I've got a couple more. I've got to get a timeout, though, but I've got a couple more. One even from a district in California. Where again, the tide seems to be turning a little bit. There's a shift in the winds that maybe we're starting to say we've had just about enough of playtime, enough of your little fantasy island. We're not playing your psychological games anymore. You can pretend to be whatever you want to be when you're an adult, but we're not going to be doing this to children, not now and not ever. That is exactly the direction that we have to be traveling. I've got more. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know 
And do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour three underway now. Thanks for being with us. Seven minutes after 11 o'clock on this uh, Monday. It's the 18th morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2023. So we are open for some phone calls this hour. I do want to get a few more stories in here uh, as well. And because I said I had a couple of more that just kind of in, you know, indicate to me that the attitudes are shifting a little bit, that maybe the, uh, <clears throat> the tides are, are starting to turn a little bit in our favor. California, more than just California, up in the Bay Area, Uber and ultra left-wing California Bay Area style. Parents and staff there are claiming that a California school district is targeting LGBTQ flags. Why? Because the board there voted to forbid the display of any banners other than the American or California state flags. What? In the Suno Glen School Unified District in the East Bay, which is you know the east, east side of the, the Bay Bridge in San Francisco, Serving 270 K through 8 students, the board there decided that no flags shall be displayed in classrooms or in the school other than the American flag and the California state flag. To which, of course, I say, Can you dig it? And that's outstanding. It doesn't say you can't hang a gay flag or you can't hang a Black Lives Matter flag or you can't hang a Confederate flag. It doesn't say you can hang. It says you can only hang American and California state flags. What's wrong with that? That's exactly how it ought to be. That's how it ought to be at every single school. Because why? They're in the state they're in, which resides or which is a part of it, makes up the country that we are. And that is what's supposed to happen. Schools are not supposed to be places to advance political agendas by way of flags. The only agenda is we are American and we are residents of this state and we uh, respect that. And that's it. So that's one. That one came from California. I was so happy to see that. And I got one more for you. This one's, this one's the people. This is you and this is me. This is a Gallup survey. 70% of Americans, and that means Democrats and Republicans, conservatives and leftists alike, 7 out of 10 do not believe that biological men should be allowed to compete in women's sports. The polling showed an increase uh, from 62% in 2021. So two years later, it's up to 70 now that believe athletes should only play on the teams that match their birth gender. In tandem in 2021, 
34% of Americans said transgender athletes should be allowed to play on teams that match their current gender identity, while in 2023, only 26% held that belief. Riley Gaines, uh, director of the Riley Gaines Center, told Fox News, based on how politicians and voting and the way the media portrays gender ideology issues, it would give them the impression that this issue is very polarizing and divisive, but in reality, it's not. It's overwhelming that Americans, 70%, and again, this isn't 70% of, you know, Newsmax viewers or Bob France listeners or, you know, Salem media listeners. This is, this is 70% of all Americans, including the CNN watchers, the MSNBC watchers, the left wing nut jobs. 70% say no more of this nonsense in schools and on sports teams, I should say. So that's a big deal. That's a very big deal. All of these things are giving me what it should give you, and that is some inspiration, some motivation to keep up the pressure and expose insanity where insanity exists, expose the the dangers of this sort of cultural rot as you see it. Because it's starting to take effect. It's starting to take shape. People are starting to understand it. Despite statements by idiots like Justin Gibb, people are starting to understand it. And by the way, it was brought to my attention last break that Justin Bibb attended a Catholic school. He went to Trinity in Garfield Heights. And that's fine. I graduated uh, from Elyria Catholic High School back in the 80s with many classmates who were not Catholic. They came to Catholic schools, though, because their parents believed in the Catholic school education as opposed to the public school education, but they were not Catholics. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to stand by my statement that Justin Bibb, the mayor of Cleveland, is not a Catholic because he specifically did not identify himself as such. He said, as a Christian, this is the way I feel. Not Catholic. If he was Catholic and he was going to dispute the bishop, that's a different story. If he would, see, if he would dare say, I know more about Catholic doctrine than Bishop Malesic knows, and I know what uh, the way the, the the diocese should run its parishes and its schools, that would be a very, very interesting conversation. But he's not even acknowledging that he's Catholic, or he's not uh, uh, suggesting that he's Catholic. He just said, I'm a Christian, and I don't like it. Well, until you become a Catholic, you pretty much have no say in how Catholics run. The, I'm, I'm a Catholic, and I'm a Christian, and I don't like how they do a lot of things in the in the Muslim faith. But you know who can't tell them how to do it? Me. Because I'm not a Muslim. I hope that makes sense. 216-901-0945. Navy man Norm in Strongsville. Norm, thanks for waiting. You're on the air fire, fire away. <clears throat> Bob, I love the word salad that the left and ACLU and Planned Parenthood uh, try to voice uh, on us, if you will, when they talk about reproductive health. Well, it's interesting because... <laughs> Reproduction, if you read the defin- uh, dictionary's definition, is, is to reproduce, to reproduce something within an individual, an animal, or a plant, to create anew. It doesn't say to destroy. It doesn't say to abort. It doesn't say to kill. It says to pro- reproduce anew. In other words, a copy, a duplicate. So, you know, it, it, it just blows me away that anybody in their right mind would take the term reproductive health as meaning anything but ensuring that the life created in a mother's womb is sacred and is to be protected 
and is to be to come to life, not to death. And it just, it drives me all off the cliff when I see, you know, these left-wingers who are alive themselves, you know, decrying our, our uh, shall we say, beliefs, like Justin Bib, or Bimbo, as I refer to him, I think he would do well to stay what he knows best about carjackings and crime. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's an expert at that. But be that as it may, I think we are fighting back and fighting back at last because we are up in a last stand between good and evil. You know, the devil well, uses a three-prong attack. He, did, he wants to destroy the traditional family. He wants to make abortion law again in our state. And I noticed, by the way, the state up north, Michigan, did cave in and modify their constitution to permit this. Oh, yeah. And this is the this is the model that's coming here. I want to respond to a couple of things that you just said, Norm. First of all, I'm sure what you meant when you said Justin Bibb would be an expert at carjackings and crime because his father was a cop and because he's the mayor and he's oversees the crime, uh, you know, the uh, the crime fighting going on in the city of Cleveland. I don't want anybody to think that you meant that in a different way. Right. No. No, okay. of course. Not. I want to be I want to be very clear about that because that would be that would be very irresponsible to say anything like that that he no. may have, have experience in those areas other than being uh, supportive of law enforcement. Now, I don't like how he supports law enforcement in Cleveland. I don't like the fact that there were still 300 and some odd officers under budget. So I do get your point about crime and carjackings and everything else being on the rise there, but I don't want to have any illusions by anybody listening as to what you said. <clears throat> uh, be, no, be, no, meaning I didn't mean else. that. Secondly, no. um, to your point, your defining of the word reproductive and reproduction is accurate, but of course their argument is reproductive rights, meaning yes, reproduct- reproduction does mean reproducing, creating a copy of, etc., like you just pointed out, but that's what their point is, that we have a choice in our reproductive rights. Their argument would be, if I don't want to reproduce, I don't have to. My 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 preferred method or for people to make that decision would be not to engage casually and carelessly in the act that leads to reproduction which which is a good way to make sure that that's a good way that you can have your reproductive rights your reproductive choices don't engage in sexual activity that can lead to pregnancy and thus the need to reproduce and then you have your choice there even if you want, and I don't want to get into the merits of birth control and different types of birth control, but that is something else that is very, very different. Uh, if you if you want to make a reproductive decision for yourself and decide I don't want to reproduce, so therefore I'm going to take steps to ensure that I do not, that's a little bit different too. But what you're talking about, of course, is when there is a pregnancy, reproduction has already happened. You had your 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 right to decide whether or not you wanted to reproduce was before you actually reproduced. There is a there is a there's an embryo inside of you, uh, or if or, or or you know a, 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 an early stage baby inside of you. You have already reproduced. Now those opportunities that you had to avoid reproduction, now those are gone. Now you have already reproduced, and now it's a matter of not killing the life that you created through the choices that you made prior. I think that. That's the best way to look at it, because they're going to say reproductive rights mean my decision to either reproduce or not to create that carbon copy, as you referenced. Yeah. And there and of course, you know, the Margaret Sangers of the world like Hillary Clinton, 
you know, relish uh, accepting awards for abusing uh, human beings, preborn or otherwise. And I mean, this stuff with this transgender, uh, it's all about greed, Bob. It comes down to, uh, you know, four words. Show me the money. And that's exactly what the doctors and hospitals are doing. Show me the money. $40,000 to do a, uh, a simple transgender surgery that convert you from a young boy or a young girl into something other than that, as God designed. Um, who well, cares? You know, the, the abortion doctors and the abortion clinics and the abortion facilities, as well as the transgender clinics and the gender, you know, affirming care clinics. In other words, the ones that get them on the puberty blockers and then start doing, you know, cutting things off and making things up and so forth. They they stand to lose collectively billions of dollars, billions of dollars if those things are outlawed. If those things are banned or, you know, particularly when it comes to abortion or if uh, uh, if uh, gender transitioning allows parents to actually have a say until somebody is 18 to stop them from doing those things, they stand to lose billions. So, Norm, you're a thousand percent right. Of course you follow the money. They have no care or concern whatsoever. They talk about gender affirming care. They don't give a rat's rip about this little boy who's confused and this little girl who wants to have her breasts removed because she's confused. They don't care about them. This isn't about affirming their identities. It's about, do you know how much money that costs? You know how much money the double mastectomy costs? We're making 40, 50 Gs on that procedure alone. Yep, lay down. Let's get to it. They don't give a rip about anything other than lining their own pockets. Exactly. Well, I just want to leave one thing. You know, Genesis 9, 6, 7 made a comment that says, God made humans in his image, reflecting God's very nature. You are here to bear fruit, to reproduce, to lavish life on the earth, and live bountifully. And people should remember that because the other part of that says, whosoever sheds human blood by humans, let his blood be shed. These people better think long and hard about what, what the Bible says about this. Yeah, well, most of those people don't don't read it, have never heard it, and don't believe in it, so they don't care about it. That's that's a sad yeah. reality. Well, someday they're going to have to stand before the Supreme Judge. Thank God, you very much, God Norm. Help. I appreciate the call. God bless you. It's eleven twenty one. We're going to take a time out here. I'm going to come back to the first part of that conversation, um, the abortion part on issue one, and we can do the trans thing too. Obviously, I spent the last hour talking about those things, but we're looking for a driving force in the Republican Party, in the conservative movement, to lead the pro-life cause. Roe versus Wade is gone. State by state now, pro-life causes are in battles. And quite frankly, we're losing those battles in a lot of states already, including Michigan. We're losing the battle against the pro-death cause. So we're looking for leadership. Where will we find it as Republicans? One would expect that we can find it from our leader, the man who is almost certain to be our Republican nominee for president. We can look to him, right, to be our leader in the pro-life cause. Let's put that, that to the test. Let's find out if we can if we can rally behind the former president and the current front runner for the Republican nomination. Can we can we rally behind him for pro-life in Ohio and across the country? We'll take that on next. Always right radio.
So, let's tackle the uncomfortable elephant in the room. We're about to have a massive vote on November 7th as to whether or not we're going to enshrine abortion on demand at any point in the pregnancy into the Ohio Constitution. There are massive numbers of people in the state of Ohio that are fighting this tooth and nail. CCV, Ohio Right to Life, Cleveland Right to Life, Cincinnati Right to Life, um, Protecting Women Ohio, uh, this radio program, we're fighting very, very hard. We are very, very proud of having the pro-life, but not perfect, but pro-life heartbeat law in the state of Ohio, one that was pushed for years and years and years. I think a previous caller said that uh, John Kasich who always, was always the one that was the... Uh, you know the stumbling block. He would never sign the partial, or excuse me, sign the uh, uh, the heartbeat bill into heartbeat law. Well, Dewine signed it into law. One of the few things Dewine has done well. And now we want to protect that. Well, one person that we should look to to help us protect that doesn't like that. He doesn't like the idea of a heartbeat law or roughly six-week gestation law uh, against abortion after the heartbeat is detected around six weeks. As a matter of fact, he debated this yesterday on uh, NBC's Meet the Press with the new Meet the Press host replacing Chuck Todd, uh, Kristen Welker. President Trump, the far-and-away frontrunner and likely nominee for the Republican Party for president, said that he's going to sit down with both sides, and they're both going to like him. Pro-choices are going to like him. Pro-lifers are going to like him because he's going to, well, he's going to he's going to find a spot in the middle. Listen. Mr. President, I want to give voters who are going to be weighing in on this election yeah. a very clear sense of where I think they'll, stand I on think this. they're all going to like me. I think both sides are going to like me. Let, let me but what's let, Mr. going President, to have to Mr. happen President, is you're going to have to... Question, Kristen, please. you're asking me a question. What's going to happen is you're going to come up with a number of weeks or months, you're going to come up with a number that's going to make people happy. Because 92% of the Democrats don't want to see abortion after a certain period of time. If a federal ban landed on your desk, if you were reelected, would you sign it at 15 Are you talking about a complete ban? A ban at 15 weeks. Well, people, people are starting to think of 15 weeks that seems to be a number that people are talking about right now would you sign that uh, uh, i would i would sit down with both sides and i'd negotiate something and we'll end up with peace on that issue for the first time in 52 years uh, i'm not going to say i would or i wouldn't i mean de sanctus is willing to sign a five-week and six-week ban would you support that you think I, that i think what he far? did is a terrible thing and a terrible mistake So, to my pro-life fellow conservatives, is that is that our is that our rally point? Is that our rally point? Do you rally behind somebody who said that the six-week ban, which is the heartbeat bill that was passed in Florida, so that he can continue to rip Ron DeSantis? Terrible thing, terrible idea, terrible mistake. That's the exact same thing we have here. President Trump says that it was a terrible mistake to sign a six-week abortion ban. 
which again is not specific to weeks, it's specific to the heartbeat, but it's at about six weeks. Terrible idea. Going to sit down, going to come up with a number of weeks and a number of months in which both sides are going to be happy. Both sides are going to like me. Both sides are going to be thrilled. I don't know any Democrat. 92% of Democrats don't think that there should be abortion without any restriction. That's not true. That's not true. They've made it very, very clear they have no restrictions at all. I played the clip for you before of Kamala Harris. No restrictions. None. They won't identify a a number of weeks. But that's that side. He said both sides are going to love me. Because I'm going to negotiate a number of weeks or months that everybody's happy with. As a pro-life Ohioan, are you going to be happy at whatever number of weeks and months that he says? Especially considering he believes six weeks to be a terrible idea. A big mistake. Do you want him negotiating on behalf of pro-lifers like yourself? Do you want him negotiating a four-month, 15, 20, 25 weeks? Do you want him negotiating this considering, obviously, he disagrees with six weeks? Terrible idea. Terrible. Terrible. Big mistake. Is that the pro-life champion we're going to rally behind? i got questions. I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to ask the questions. You answer me. 216-901-0945. We'll be back. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. Look, nobody likes to talk about these things. This is taboo. Don't point to things that make me have to question my belief in his divinity. But this is reality. This is reality. We're looking for a leader. We're looking for somebody to drive Ohioans to defeat the, the awful idea of, of issue one, the constitutional amendment to uh, essentially have any time on-demand abortion in the state of Ohio. And we've got a guy who says, I don't like Ohio's rule. I don't like Ohio's heartbeat law. He's going to be our, our candidate. He's going to be our nominee. That's why we don't like talking about this. I don't like having to talk about this either. But how can you avoid it? He told Kristen Walker on TV yesterday that he thinks it's a terrible idea, a terrible idea to do what DeSantis did, which is sign a heartbeat law at, at, at five or six weeks, which is a heartbeat law. That's exactly what we have here. It's a terrible idea. I, I, I'm sitting here thinking, I, okay, I, how, do we, how, do we, how do we square that? How do we square that with our pro-life beliefs and the guy that we're going to vote for for president? The reality is I don't know how much different you know, on this issue, he is from what he was in 1999 when he went on Tim Russert. Partial birth abortion, the eliminating of abortion in the third trimester, big issue in Washington. Would President Trump ban partial birth abortion? Well, look, I'm, I'm very pro-choice. I hate the concept of abortion. I hate it. I hate everything it stands for. I cringe when I listen to people debating the subject. But you still, I just believe in choice. And again, it may be a little bit of a New York background because there is some different attitude in different parts of the country. And, you know, I was raised in New York and grew up and work and everything else in New York City. But I am strongly for choice, and yet I hate the concept of abortion. But you would not ban it? No. Or ban partial birth abortion? No, I would. I would. I am am pro-choice in every respect. 
He was pro-choice for literally all of his adult life until 2016. In 2016, he said he had the epiphany and that he was pro-life. Became the first president to attend the March for Life. Has made many pro-choice statements. Or excuse me, uh, pro-life statements. Obviously appointed enough justices to get rid of Roe versus Wade. He's done some, some, some amazing things since 2016, but his entire adult life until that moment, he was pro-choice, very pro-choice, all the way up, no exceptions, all the way up, including partial birth abortions, he said. Now, fast forward to 2023, and he's telling Kristen Welker, uh, he's going to find a, a point that's going to make everybody happy, and you know, there's going to be a number of weeks or a number of months, and everybody's going to be happy with me, and we're going to get rid of this issue for the first time in 52 years. And oh, by the way, that six-week heartbeat law like they have in uh, uh, Florida and places like Ohio. First time in 52 years. Uh, I'm not going to say I would or I wouldn't. I mean, DeSantis is willing to sign a five-week and six-week ban. Would you support that? You think that? I, I think what he far? did is a terrible thing and a terrible mistake. Now, you go from 1999, what I just played for you, to yesterday, 2023, terrible thing to limit uh, abortions to six weeks until a heartbeat is detectable and another live human being can be confirmed by way of that heartbeat. Terrible thing. Big mistake. I don't know who I'm rallying behind here for the pro-life cause in the state of Ohio. Nobody wants to talk about it. Close your eyes. Put your fingers in your ears. Make sure no light or sound gets in so you don't have to see it, and then you don't have to address it, and then you can just say, this is what I'm supporting regardless. Okay? Charlie's in uh, Brown Hill. Hey, Charlie, go ahead. Hey, Bob. Thank you for taking the call again. Certainly. Giving giving some thought to this, and I was listening to some podcasts. You know, I, I'm a history guy, and our society has not progressed. We are at the same place as the ancient societies who would sacrifice their babies on the altar of of uh, some phony god. Uh, most of those babies were out of wedlock uh, births, you know, because they were debauchery. They were having all these vestal virgins, and they were getting pregnant, and they were giving these babies... And they were killing the babies just out of convenience. Just as bad were the Romans who would take a, a defective baby and expose it, just put it outside and let it die. I mean, that's how the Christians would scoop up those babies and raise those babies and how Christianity grew. So, you know, we're sacrificing on the, uh, the altar of convenience. Life is precious or it isn't. And, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that life is precious. I'm, I'm going to disagree with Donald Trump. I'm going to vote for him, and he probably knows that. And he's probably going to get some additional votes because of his new stand or his stand that he did on Meet the Press. But, you know, and, and I give him the credit. Without Dobbs overturning, we wouldn't even have this. But the state's rights issue has come down to, you know, on our heads right now. And if this thing passes in November, we won't want to live in here in Ohio. So, you know, it's just uh, the same thing over and over. Our society is no better than the ancients. And that's how I feel. That's a nice history lesson there, Charlie, and thank you for that. I appreciate the call. Very, very, very good points all the way around. Uh, let's go to Scott in Chesterland. Hi, Scott. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. Uh, nice to talk to you. Um, you know, this Trump bit, that's a year away. But what we have right in front of us 
in, in just less than two months is abortion in Ohio, mm-hmm. as you've talked about. And um, I think you do a great job in the pro-life cause, but I would encourage it to go even further, like maybe mend the fence with Governor DeWine, get him on your show, talk again, because we need to unify citizens, atheists, Christians, Jews, Muslims, into the one the pro-life cause here, because if that comes back in Ohio, I think judgment comes upon Ohio. And I think that's on us that know that abortion is murder. So I would like to see, you know, less national politics till after this November and more uh, Ohio. The um, the problem with what you're suggesting <clears throat> is that I don't think Mike DeWine has any interest anymore. And it's because he can't get reelected. He did sign the heartbeat law, which is good. But when it came time to push for what we're facing this November, it was before August 8th, as you well know. Because that that um, constitutional amendment on August 8th that was voted down by 14 points for crying out loud um, would have made, you know, raised the threshold to 60 percent. So if they want to change the, you know, make it abortion on demand here, it's going to have to go over 60 percent. Well, Governor DeWine was AWOL, was literally AWOL. He was nowhere to be found. You had people like LaRose, and you had people like you know uh, a number of a number of conservative Republican pro-life members of the General Assembly who were crossing. Uh, you had the I had Auditor of State Faber, I had uh, uh, Attorney General Yost. I, have, I had all the statewide office holders on, and they all were were crisscrossing around and making speeches and appearing at events. Um, you know, uh, supporting that issue on August 8th and the governor of the state knowing full well how important that was to this November was AWOL. He wouldn't not only not come on with me, he wouldn't come on with anybody. He made one statement which was issued via a press release saying he endorses yes on issue one in uh, in August to raise the threshold, but that was it. He did no leading or no directing or no guiding of the thing forward at all. So I don't know why, but I just know that he has he has been completely absent when it comes to this. So, you know, no matter who wants to work with him, he seems to be less interested in this issue than, uh, you know, than one would think, considering somebody who had such a good, strong pro-life record. That's, that would be very disappointing if that's what he is. Cause... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's Dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.